All right, Father. It appears that we are live. Excellent. Microphones are working. Two cameras are working. Yep. Lights are working. I think everything is working. So we can dive right in to paragraphs uh, 1050 to 1100 after Wonderful. we start with a prayer. Let's do it. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. In honor of these concluding days of Advent, the coming days of Christmas, let's pray the uh, the closing prayer of the Angelus. Pour forth, we beseech thee, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we, to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Most sacred heart of Jesus. Have mercy on us. Immaculate heart of Mary. Pray for us. Saint Joseph. Pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> well, I know this is a very abnormal time for us to do this recording. It is. I think we scheduled this recording three or four times on the calendar really? to try to was find it, the right time. Was it Friday afternoon first? Yeah, it was Friday afternoon. Then yesterday. Then it was Monday afternoon. And, and now, now it's, it's Tuesday a, morning. A Tuesday morning. Yeah. And really, it's supposed to be the last Thursday of the month, so that was kind of the first scheduling. Yeah. But we're you're not going to be in town. Nope. I'm actually going to be in the office that day, but not just funny. a half day in the morning. Um, so <laughs> it, we were like, you know what? It's we good. don't know when we're going to do it. We're yeah. just going to throw it up there live. If people want can view it live, great. But it's recorded. Yeah. It's out there on the gonna be out on the internet, maybe for all eternity. I'm glad we're getting to enjoy this live, but you know, if it's if it's nobody else, it's okay. It's okay. I did have one email yeah? that said, Can you please tell me when it is live? Because I love listening to you and father and I want to listen to it live. Wow. And so thankfully was that, was, I did not email was, was that my mom? No. I did not <laughs> it was probably my mom. <laughs> I did not email him back until the last minute when we found out when we were going to do this. Gotcha. So it worked out fantastic. Yeah, because yesterday's change was last minute, and it's good that we changed it because we were going to have to anyway because yeah. I got an emergency call. So it is what it is. Hey, and you changed it to get put your feet up, but as any good priest, <laughs> my feet you were did down. Not get the time to put your feet up. Yes, my boots did not come off yesterday, and that was fine. It was great, glorious, and I love our Lord and all of his people. Hey. Christmas is right around the corner. It so is good. the time to give that little extra push. It is. Till the uh, Christ child is born. Absolutely. And it, and as we're going to get into and in, uh, talking about the sacramental order of the church, getting to participate in that mm-hmm. is just glorious. And sometimes physically it can get a little bit ch- challenging, but, you know, that's okay. We got wonderful uh, support around here, and it's uh, yeah, I'm glad we can sit back and just kind of reflect and talk about it, especially based on the catechism. Exactly. And so be- before we can get to the sacramental order, yes, we have literally four paragraphs left Woo-hoo! in the in <laughs> pre-sacramental order. Two. Reminder for people at home, we've been talking about the creed since literally the beginning of this series. So for 1,065 paragraphs of the catechism, we've more or less been talking yeah. about the creed. And we are coming to fulfillment of that <laughs> with the final four paragraphs, and it is about the final word in the creed, as we kind of hinted at last time, that word is amen. Amen. Woohoo! And ultimately, it, yeah. amen means, I believe, I or believe. it is true, or this is my confirmation of whatever was said before this. Yeah. This is why we say amen before we receive the Eucharist, right? It is true. I believe that, it, that this is the Christ that I am receiving. That's why we say amen at the end of every prayer, Right. It yeah. is true, everything that I just said and prayed for. Um, this is why Christ said, amen, amen, I say to you. Yeah. Saying, hey, this is true. This is real. I'm going to tell you something important that you need to be listening to. 
And I would just say too, um, it's like, okay, I'm just going to read uh, 1064 mm-hmm. real quick. Um, and I would just say, if you get a chance, go to 1061 through 1065 and read them. Because like, okay, we say amen a lot every single day. But to stop and think about what it means and the depth of it is really beautiful. Mm-hmm. So 1064, thus the creed's final amen repeats and confirms its first words, I believe. To believe is to say amen to God's words, promises, and commandments. To entrust oneself completely to him who is the amen of infinite love and perfect faithfulness. The Christian's everyday life will then be the amen to the I believe of our baptismal profession of faith. And then there's a quote from St. Augustine. May your creed be for you as a mirror. Look at yourself in it to see if you believe everything you say you believe and rejoice in your faith each day. The reason I wanted to read that too is I remember there for a while, both when I was growing up and early on as a priest, it was like this trendy thing to not say I meant. It's just to say amen. Hmm. But like when I'm given some communities, I say the body of Christ, I say, I believe, which is sweet. And I understand that. But yeah, it's like, no, no. Like when you have the language, like there is something lost in translation and the amen is a little bit more deep than that. Um, and I just love that where it says about, you know, God's amen back to us. I mean, there's just, there's, there's something beautiful about this back and forth. And there's some things that go, you know, like deeper into that where it's like, okay, this word means this, but still to actually use the word that the church has given us to use is a beautiful thing because you're using the same word here that St. Augustine used, you know, back in the fourth century. Mm-hmm. It's the exact same word. That same, you know, um, two syllables was on his lips all those years ago. He didn't say in English, I believe. He said, amen. And there's there's just something so beautiful about that, and you don't have to do an on-the-spot translation. Um, I don't know. I haven't really encountered it that much recently. I just, it's one of those little things where it's like, you don't have to change it up. Like, you know, it's like get married the way the church tells you to get married. Don't go get married on the beach and feel like you have to like reinvent the wheel. Like just do what the church tells you to do because it's beautiful. All the silly season in the church. Ah, silly season. And that is not even the worst of the silly season. No, oh no. But you know what? Yeah, and and, and, and that's okay. It's the the little things that matter because those little things like using the word amen, it's extraordinarily ordinary. Yes. Right? Yes. We don't need to change anything. We don't need to do anything extra. No. Catechism devoted four whole paragraphs to this word. Yeah. Why mess with it? Exactly. I mean, it's one of those things too. It's like, okay, you know, those uh, three words, you know, one, four, three there, I love you, you know, those are really important, you mm-hmm. know, and, and you don't have to change it up. I'm thinking about the movie Ghost where Patrick Swayze always responds, ditto, you know, and she's like, it's not the same, you know, but one of those things where it's like to actually say the words, mm-hmm. it's an important thing. And you don't have to say to your wife, like, I'm going to get creative and I'm just going to say to you, you know, this neat little, it's like, no, like, you know, mm-hmm. like there, there's sometimes you have to actually just use the word that you've been given to use. And it's a beautiful thing. We've inherited it and then you make it your own and it's, it's glorious. So, All right. You mentioned ditto. I got to go on a tangent. Go on a tangent. Great. Go on a tangent. So if anyone is ever driving down Miller Road, like towards the Miller Farm stand here in Salisbury, mm-hmm. right? Uh, just past my neighborhood, there's another neighborhood on the right. Okay. Like second house into this neighborhood, huge Christmas light display. Yeah. I mean, absolutely giant, like almost 365 around their house, blow up things everywhere, lights over the roof, everything. And the neighbor got a big piece of wood and with lights wrote ditto (laughs) with an arrow pointing to their neighbor's house. Really? 
100% true. You wow. see this on like memes on, yeah, yeah. on Facebook, but this person actually did it. Wow. And it, it's absolutely hysterical. It is. But very obviously, it's not the same. It's, it's not the same the thing. Lights. That is a wonderful representation or a wonderful analogy. And uh, I really want to drive over there and see yeah, it. Now, you that, totally is, that is awesome. You oh totally my gosh. Should. We were, uh, well, it was like a, two Saturdays ago, we did Christmas lights. And actually, my neighborhood represented very well. Um, Grace Ridge represented very well with the Christmas wow. lights. There's actually one house that put up a whole bunch of like elf theme decorations. Hmm. So it's got like the little narwhal that says, hope you find your dad and like all these types of things. Kind of interesting. I'm not a huge fan of that movie. Sure. But I like narwhals though. <laughs> I know the references. At <laughs> yeah. Least. Um, and so we were driving around and I said, Hey, let's go look at that house. Like across the street in the next neighborhood. Cause you could see it that far away. Wow. And it was quite amazing. That's awesome. Ditto. That's Ditto. so good. I like that a lot. So good. That's an awesome analogy. Thank you. So it yeah. is not the same. It's not the same. It's not the same. It's not. And I mean, I appreciate the thought, but it's just, just use what you've been given. And then, you know, make it your own from your heart. But remember, you know, man sees the appearance, God sees the heart. He knows what's going on. And if you say, hey amen, like not really caring, he knows that it's not the fullest. Mm-hmm. But if you say it with meaning and depth and you're really striving, he knows that too. And it may be the same word on the outside, but our Lord knows what's going on. Just use what he's given you. And a good little practical note for distribution of communion. Yeah. I get this all the time, and I know, Father, you do too. Yeah. Amen is like the symbol of I know what I'm doing. Yeah. I'm Catholic, and I'm prepared to receive. Mm-hmm. If somebody doesn't, if somebody fails to say amen, there's always a little question mark yeah. in my head of does this person know what they're doing? Exactly. So even on a practical level, that amen represents that, yes, I believe in what I'm going to receive. And yes, I desire to receive the Eucharist, which is a amazing act of faith, but also helps the minister who is distributing communion yeah. to say, okay, this person's prepared. And also, I mean, that one little word, I mean, once again, go back and read these paragraphs, 1061 and 1065. You're summing up that when you say amen, you mean like you bought in and are embracing the whole thing, the whole package. That's why we don't distribute Holy Communion to those who are not practicing Catholics. It's not a judgment call. It's not like you're not as good as us. It's not that. I I don't make that judgment at the rail. Like I'm judging myself here. Like I'm not not worthy of this. But it's like, but I've bought into it. I've given my whole life. I'm going to live the obligations. I'm going to show up. I'm going to, you know, submit myself to all that the Holy Catholic Church professes, you know, and, and to be divinely revealed by God. When you say amen, you're saying yes to that whole thing. And if you're not Catholic, it's like you're, you, you haven't submitted to the whole thing. We can easily fix that. Like you can become Catholic. We can bring you in. You can start coming to Mass every Sunday. Like we can give you the sacraments, receive you in the church like we did for three people on Saturday. And if you want to become Catholic, you get to talk to me even yes. more in RCIA Oh every my gosh. Sunday. I wish I had more time on Sunday mornings. I could sit in on those classes because I'm sure they're just wonderful. Although I guess I could watch the videos. They're, they're on YouTube. Yeah, there you go. But um, yeah, just saying amen. I mean, it's... In a way, it's analogous to, it's like the I do at your wedding, you know? It's mm-hmm. like you are saying yes to the whole thing, to the whole package. It's not just, you know, this is just a passing little symbol. It's like, no, I mean, you are communing with God himself. And these are the ways that he has given us through the church that he has instituted of the way that you live this out. It's not just a passing external symbol. This is going to become part of you and change you into himself. And by saying amen, it's like you are agreeing to the whole thing. And I know it's a quick one, you know, brief little word there, but it's utterly important. And that's why we get 
I mean, I know it's just a page in the catechism, but still, it's for one word. We get this whole page to emphasize the fact it's like God is saying amen to you too, you know, and, and it's this back and forth there that's just beautiful. So, you know, once again, it's like, hey, if you're not Catholic, this isn't us saying like you're not good enough. No, it's not that. It's just, you know, the amen represents you are going to live in a different way. Like you are going to take this serious every moment of your life. Like you are a part of all of this. You're saying amen to the whole thing. And so that's why we take this so seriously. And if you've been thinking like, oh man, I would really like to receive communion, just give us a call. We can mm-hmm. we can make that happen. And if you don't know what it means to be Catholic, go back and watch our 20 episodes <laughs> of the Catechism series and you get the entire creed. Because I was going to say, let's kind of wrap up and sum up everything that we have talked about since we're finishing the first of four yeah. parts of the Catechism. Wow. But you kind of just did because the amen is is emphasizing I'm accepting the whole package, right? This amen is saying, hey, everything we just read in the catechism for the past 20 videos, through my amen, I'm affirming everything that I just read in that section because it's it's the creed. It's what we believe. Absolutely. And even if, let's say there's a part of it in there somewhere that you still kind of struggle with, okay, that's fine. You can keep studying and going deeper in that and just be, you know, it's like you, you trust the one who is telling the truth, the truth teller himself, truth himself, Jesus Christ, who has given all of this, who has given us divine revelation. And even if you don't understand it all yet, you trust him to give us the truth. And even if you still need to grapple with some different things in the church, but you give him the benefit of the doubt to say like, okay, I don't completely understand the Immaculate Conception. I don't completely understand the doctrine of original sin. I don't completely understand celibacy. I don't understand. But I trust him, and I'm going to keep striving to understand this better and better. Like, I want to understand it more, but I give you the benefit of the doubt. I submit to it all. Amen. Yeah, you're allowed to grapple. Of course. You just can't deny. Don't deny. Yeah, exactly. Cool. I like that. That's a good distinction. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, what I also like yes. is that we were kind of talking about people coming to the church a little bit. Hey, yeah. if you accept the creed and you want to become Catholic, we're here to help you. Absolutely. That's what we're and here for. And then the whole next part of the catechism is about the, the beautiful and joyous things that you get to participate in by being part of the fullness of the church. It's so good. Now, we're going to be talking about the liturgy a lot mm-hmm. for really probably the next 20 episodes. It's going to be a while. If, if we're, you know, on pace here. And the liturgy, first we need to understand, does not just mean mass. No. Right? The liturgy is a much larger context, as we're going to get into here. Um, and also, <laughs> the liturgy does not exclude anyone. Mm-mm. Um you might not be able to participate in the fullness of the liturgy, right? Um, but everyone is welcome to participate in as much as they're able to participate. Absolutely. And so the liturgy is for everyone, <laughs> all inclusive. Everyone can participate. But just like we talked about with reception of the Eucharist, you have to be fully bought in to participate fully. fully. Yeah, absolutely. So good little distinction just to put out there. Up front. Absolutely. And I would just say too, you know, it's like that phrase, all are welcome. Yeah, all are welcome. Mm-hmm. But God loves us too much to just leave us the way that we are. Like when you come to church, when you come to the liturgy, expect to be changed. I mean, it's not like going to IHOP. There's a big difference, you know? Like you go to IHOP, okay, you'll be changed insofar as you're going to leave very full. Yeah, but you're you not going to hop. No, no, no. You're going to be full of carbs <laughs> and syrup. Um, and that's fine. 
But there's a big difference when you come to the liturgy. I mean, it's you are encountering the living God. And of course, all are welcome to that, but don't expect to be able to just hold on to everything you brought in there. You're going to have to let go of some things. Like if you go to the dentist, of course, you're welcome to go to the dentist, but you're not allowed to hold on to your rotting tooth or your cavity. You have to let that go. Like he's going to remove that. Will it be painful? Yeah, and first, but it's a lot better than having an abscess tooth that's like, you know, messing up your whole life. It's going to hurt for a moment, but you're going to be so much happier in the end. Um, and this is something so much better than that. Like if you come in there holding on to some sort of sins, our Lord is going to remove those. Like in the sacrament of confession, he's going to, you know, build you up. And I would just say too, one of my little pet peeves, so to speak, I'm not a big fan of the phrase, you know, become the best version of yourself. It's like, that's not good enough. Like you are called to be another Christ. You know, St. Paul says, it's no longer I live, but Christ who lives in me. He's made us to be saints, not just like John Eckert 2.0. You know, it's like to be on fire with his love. He has come to change us, to set us on fire with his divinity. And by the sacramental economy, as we hear part two, the celebration of the Christian mystery. Well, what happens to that celebration? It's not coming together for a party. It's not coming together for a big breakfast. It's not like everything else. It's encountering the living God who then changes us. All are welcome to it, but you're going to go away different than you came in. Yeah, and you need to expect that. You need oh, to yeah. be prepared for that. Absolutely. Or you're not going to be able to embrace everything. No. And side note, aren't you already John Eckert 3.0? Oh, huh? Ah, that's pretty good. <laughs> I see what you did there. That's pretty good. Because your grandfather was John Eckert. He was. Actually, it. there's more than that. Oh, it even goes farther. It does. We all have different middle names, okay. though. And that's why when I said I was going to seminary, John W. Eckert, my grandpa, was not very happy. Because, like, oh, all well, the John Eckert lines coming to an end. Like, you know? How many does I it think, actually go back? Uh, okay. I've heard. I'm putting tw- you on the spot. I know. Now, I've heard, but I can, I can only confirm up to, like, six. Okay. I've heard it goes back further than that, though. I've heard as many as 12. Wow. I don't know if that's the truth, though. John Ecker, 12 point Can you imagine? Way better than I know. And I have less hair than all of them. It's just, <laughs> it's just wonderful. Although more on my face now. So that's kind of exciting. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you so much. Welcome, welcome to the club. <laughs> all right. Getting back around to liturgy. Yes. Right? So. I'm over at 1069. It's a good place to go. I think go. It's, it's important to say what is actually, what is liturgy, right? So 1069, yep. the word liturgy originally meant a public work or a service in the name of or on behalf of the people. In, in Christian tradition, it means the participation of the people of God in the work of God. Through the liturgy, Christ, our Redeemer and High Priest, continues the work of our redemption in, with, and through his church. That's a fairly broad definition, mm-hmm. right? So really, let's put this into terms that maybe people can understand a bit better. Liturgy is really any public act of worship, mm-hmm. right? Baptism is a liturgy. Mm-hmm. Confirmation is part of the liturgy. The Eucharist, obviously the highest form of the liturgy that we can participate in. The source and summit of the liturgy. We have the liturgy of the hours, mm-hmm. right? Praying, you pray the liturgy of the hours. Four times a day? Five times, Five times a day. Five times a day. So you're participating in these this public work on behalf of the people and with the people mm-hmm. and with Christ. Yeah. Um, <coughs> all the sacraments are liturgies. Yep. Um, am I forgetting any any others? I guess like benediction and yep. exposition would be liturgies. Mm-hmm. Um, and so liturgy is actually a fairly loose term referring to a lot of different public acts of worship. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I'll tell you, too, one of the things that came to my mind as you were reading that definition in 1069, you know, so last night we had the Mass to celebrate the anniversary of the dedication of our church. Mm -hmm. 
And I don't think we've ever done that before. I mean, it was just, it was beautiful. And there's, we talked about a couple of years back. I know, but, COVID and, and, and it it's was, always so busy this time of year and yada, yada, yada. But, um, the opening prayer for the mass was so be- I mean, the, the prayers are amazing. I need to just bring the missile with me next time and read through them. But in the opening prayer, it's called the collect. It says something along the lines of, you know, that in this place, and it's, you know, all these specifics, because we're here in this, your temple, you've allowed us to have. And it said something like, in this place, for you, pure worship may always be offered. And for us, fullness of redemption may be received. And it's like where it talks about, you know, the work of redemption. Mm-hmm. It's like the work of redemption takes place in the liturgical acts. So once again, it's not just become the best version of yourself. Like you are being redeemed. You know, the the wounds that you had before are being transformed, you know, to like, like the wounds of Christ, right? It's like, like the things we've gone through in this life, like we are being redeemed and lifted higher. And he continues to participate in that. You know, day in and day out, this 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 public work of us, you know, towards the fullness of redemption. It's awesome. And like we have this specific tangible place that was dedicated 13 years ago yesterday where that continues to happen all the time. Yeah. And and these liturgies, all the different liturgies, mm-hmm. right, are about that. They're liturgical acts towards the newness of life, fullness yeah. of life. But we also have a lot of things that we do on a day-to-day basis that's targeting towards that, right? Yeah. And the liturgy is kind of where this all comes to to fulfillment and completion, right? Uh, catechism talks about prayer in the liturgy. Mm-hmm. They're required. They're, they oh, yeah. have to be connected. But even when I'm, you know, praying on my own in my house or in my car, mm-hmm. there's something different with praying in the liturgy because I'm doing it with the goodness of all the people present in mind. Yeah. Um, and it is a liturgical act that the church has said, do this. Yeah. Right? It's very specific. You can't just make up the liturgy. No. Right? The liturgy is something the church says, do X because Christ told us to do X. The church told mm-hmm. us to do Well, Christ told the church and the church told us. Yeah. Right? So it's coming directly from Christ. But the liturgy is a... Not confined, but you do have pretty strict guardrails of what Absolutely. the liturgy is supposed to look like. Which is a beautiful thing because technically what that means is you should be able to go into any Catholic church in the world and the mass should be essentially the same. Obviously, you're going to have, you know, some different cultural manifestations. You're going to have some slight differences in the fact that, like, if you go to St. Michael's in Gastonia as opposed to going to Sacred Art in Salisbury, you know, you're going to have different voice styles between Father Rossi and me. You know, there's going to be slight difference in, like, the what they call the Oran's position, right? Like, I have my way of doing it. Um, I noticed last Father Balky came and can celebrate last night. His is a little bit different. It's fine. Like, we have our sort of different ways, and there's some places where the church kind of allows for some diversity in that. But there are some things that the church, you know, demands unity, mm-hmm. um, and that's in the words that we have been given. Like, it's not my choice to, you know, in the words of consecration to, like, just say something else, you know? Like, no, like, it doesn't belong to me. Like, this isn't the Mass of John Eckert. It is Jesus Christ celebrating his liturgy, and I've been ordained a priest to, you know, step in there to be the minister in this role. But the Mass doesn't belong to me. It's not mine to tinker with. It belongs to the church, and we've been given that, and it is my duty, my obligation to give to people what I have received and to just keep handing that on, to do with devotion, to do with prayer, um, which is part of the reason why the church limits us priests on how many masses we can say in a day. I'm only allowed to say three. Um, 
in an emergency situation, you could say four if you had to, but three is the limit. Why? Because you can pray three masses. In the midst of number three, you start getting pretty tired, mm-hmm. and then like the wind starts to fall out of the sails. But you can do it. Um, and we're not sacramental vending machines. I mean, like prayer needs to continue to be a part of all of these liturgical acts. Um, I'll just read 1073 here with prayer, yep. prayer and liturgy. The liturgy is also a participation in Christ's own prayer addressed to the Father in the Holy Spirit. In the liturgy, all Christian prayer finds its source and goal. I love that line. Through the liturgy, the inner man is rooted and grounded in the great love with which the Father loved us in his beloved Son. It is the same marvelous work of God that is lived and internalized by all prayer at all times in the Spirit. I mean, source and goal. So it's like by the love of the Father for the Son poured out, you know, in the Holy Spirit upon us. It's like that's the source that gets you going. And it's the goal to which you're working to be in perfect communion with them. It's like we do all things, you know, through him, with him, in him, which actually was at the end of the amen too. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's awesome how it all connects. Um, But yeah, that, that prayer has to be a part of it because it is a, it is a personal continual communion with God himself, who is a communion of persons and like entering into this communion. Can I go into mass having not prayed and just kind of go through the motions? Yeah, I can, but I shouldn't. Um, and it's hard on me if I do that. You know, it's like the the prayer has to be, you know, the, the, the driving force that keeps you going. The same for us too, sitting in the pew. Yeah, yeah. I was not exactly looking forward to going to mass this morning. Right? Sure. Because I didn't necessarily want to sit there i I have stuff to do i got it christmas is coming we gotta move um but then i reminded myself hey but this is a time of prayer yeah if i go in with the mindset of check that off the list of the day yeah it's not going to be exactly the most enjoyable experience but if i go in there reminding myself that this is a time to pause and reflect to unite with my lord and savior Totally changes the outlook and Absolutely. how well you can participate within the, the liturgy. And I would say too, I mean, it's a good thing to bring up because, you know, sometimes just because your feelings haven't caught up, like I'll be honest, I'm not excited to go celebrate every mass I ever celebrate. Um, but I remind myself, like, Lord, I don't really want to do this right now, but I love you. And that's why I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. And inevitably, that changes things. But you don't have to manufacture feelings like, oh, I'm just so excited when you're not. Like, you don't have to pretend that you are. I'm sure there's usually one Christmas mass where you're like, okay, I'm starting to hit a wall. And yeah. I might not be as excited about this one anymore. But it's it's either the nine or the midnight. And it's funny. I mean, because I love the midnight. But physically. The joy comes after the midnight It does. Mass. It does. Once we're kind of into it, I'm happy again. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, just okay. Yeah, you've had we've had three masses, five, seven, nine. Um, and technically speaking, the midnight is the next. It's day. the next day. That's so why it's the next it's one. Not yeah, the, it's not four masses. You're just the stacking them up really close. But yeah, I mean, it's you know, you get that little bit of a break after the nine because it's like okay, things kind of slow down. I'm done saying bye to people like ten thirty, ten forty five. There's just enough time that it's like it'd be like an athlete getting cold. Then they got to warm back up mm-hmm. and get back in there. Just at the start of the midnight, it's just you're like telling your body, no, no, no got to be awake. I'll be honest, one of my secrets. And by the way, once you've celebrated one mass as a priest, the fast no longer applies. I have a wonderful combination of coffee and Baileys that I have in that that interesting in-between part. Because you need a little bit of pep up, yep. but you also need a little bit of calm down. And it just has that right nice little space. 
It's not Red Bull and vodka. It's, so it's if vodka. People are coming to midnight mass. A little bit of a coffee. A little and bit of coffee and Bailey's. Hour before mass. Yeah, yeah. Make sure because that that applies to the priest who's already celebrated three masses. Yes, we we still have to participate yes. in the fast. Although I try to be done plenty of time before communion. Yeah, but you know, a little bit of coffee and Bailey's. You're not you're not way. chugging your coffee as you're walking down the aisle. I am not. I am not. But it, it does help on on Christmas Eve. Um, you know, it's one of one of the many gifts of Christmas. Nice. It's glorious. It's little tricks of the trick. I know. We, we <laughs> can pull back the curtain and reveal. Some you got to know, and you know what? It's one of those things too. It's it's a, it's a nice um, sort of like natural, organic way to keep yeah. yourself going. It's, yeah, yeah. Uh, it helps people know that you're human. <laughs> I am. Is good. I am definitely human, and Christmas brings that. Yes. Out. <laughs> so along with the prayer, we also get the catechesis and liturgy. Yes, and I think this has been one of the biggest focuses of Sacred Heart as of late with our new Fide program. Yes. Right? So I was. Meeting Meeting with one of my students. I still don't know how to a SAP refers to their their students. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, we haven't figured that out. So they're, of, they're partners. What are my like participants? Camp- there you go. That works. Um, and the mother was there, and she asked me, "What does he need to know? Like, wh- give me more or less, kind of give me the list of what he needs to know." And I said, "It's not so much about the book knowledge, mm-hmm. right? We're not going for the book knowledge." anymore this that's why we've changed this whole program it's about the lived knowledge right if you're coming to mass you're going to get so much catechesis yeah if you're coming to any liturgy Mm -hmm. right you're participating in a baptism you're going to confession you are (coughs) coming to mass you come to adoration you experience benediction these are the things that are going to Give you that lived experience in that lived catechesis where you don't have to sit down and read the catechism. It's going to be great. Of course. As like the follow-up to mm-hmm. all that. But you're going to get so much just by seeing this is – these are the words the Father says when he's consecrating the Eucharist. And why is he doing that? And what's the importance behind that? And why does Father get to stand up there and consecrate the Eucharist? And why am I going to him for con- confession but then the bishop shows up for confirmation and why what's the importance of that so all of a sudden if you're just living a life of faith and you're just coming to church and participating in that life of faith so much is going to be revealed and that's that's catechesis absolutely you know and it, the people that come to mind in that are uh, two out of the three that we just brought into the church uh jerry jackson and lisa sheets in fact they've been coming to mass daily for several months and yeah, I've just picked up more and more. And I remember at first, and, and this is the thing too, fellow parishioners in the pews are teaching without even knowing it. Mm-hmm. Because something that, because they come, they had, they come from a Protestant background, had not been coming to Mass. They started coming on Wednesday nights at first. And, you know, we go right into adoration. And there's a lot of folks that out of reverence for the Blessed Sacrament exposed on the altar will walk out backwards because they don't want to turn their back on the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. Is that required? No. But there are a lot of people who do that. Very reverent yeah, tradition. Very reverent to do. And at first they were a little weirded out by that. Why are these people walking out backwards? Which I can understand. You just randomly see someone walking backwards out of a church. Seems a little interesting, you know? And I told them about it. I said, okay, I don't I don't typically do that, but I said you'll notice as compared to other masses, I do something different too. Because the Blessed Sacrament's exposed on the altar. I don't go out the main aisle because I would be turning my back on the Eucharist. So we go out the side door. And so it's like, it's kind of the same principle. Um, And just why? Because our Lord is exposed in the Blessed Sacrament on the altar. We're showing him reverence. Just like when you go in, you'll probably notice people don't just genuflect on one knee. They use both knees when the Blessed Sacrament's exposed. 
So it's like by seeing the reverence and devotion of their fellow parishioners, it's like they were taught, not just us saying you have to be reverent, but like seeing that reverence. And yeah, it's a little, at first, like a little bit off-putting, like what is going on with this? But once it was explained, I mean, they were really touched and moved Mm -hmm. and now they're in the church. I mean, it's just like you were saying, like just seeing and participating the liturgy, the mass, all these different things going on, they teach a lot. I remember too, just kind of along the same lines, when I went into seminary, um, it was such a learning experience to go to all of a sudden be going to mass every single day and to be praying the liturgy of the hours, you know, several times a day, every day. And like seeing the change of colors, you know, in the church going from the green of ordinary time, you know, to the purple of Advent, to the white of Christmas, and just the, you know, degree of decoration in the church, like expanding, detracting. I had never noticed it like that before, you know, because, it, you know, it's, it's different when you're going every Sunday as opposed to every single day. And you just notice, like, as you make your way through the lectionary, you know, what's going on and just all the things that change in the seasons of the church, it's teaching us, you know, about the liturgical year, about, you know, salvation history, about our own lives and how we fit into that. And it just, it was, it was definitely a big learning experience for me. And I know it's like the same thing, you know, in our parish, that happens day to day to day. Not everybody can come every day. I mean, I'm blessed. It's my job, yeah. you know? And so my life is built around the liturgical schedule. But, you know, even just going a little bit extra or noticing from Sunday to Sunday, you can see, you know, things that are happening and we do learn a lot that way. Yeah, I think those decorations, I think that's great because, yeah. I mean, this is one of the reasons why stained glass windows and statues and mm-hmm. things were so important to the church because they were the catechetical aspect of people that couldn't read, yep, right? Exactly. Couldn't read the scripture. Well, guess what? You walk around your church, you look at the stained glass windows, you look at the statues, and you're going to start to understand salvation salvation history. Absolutely. But think about all the things that have changed us with our, in our church, right? Mm-hmm. Just in the past couple of weeks with Advent. Yeah. You're wearing purple, not mm-hmm. green. No flowers on the altar yeah. except for... Yeah, day, day, Sunday, Sunday yep. because there's joy with that. You've got the Advent wreath, so you're following along, knowing how close we're getting to Christmas. The poinsettias yeah. have now shown up. Christmas is around the corner. Yeah. And so these things <laughs> are changing, and you're actually very, not picky, but particular about when it oh, does yeah. change. Absolutely. Don't decorate the church yet because yeah. we're not there yet. we yeah. got to keep holding off and waiting until... It's the appropriate time to celebrate that joy. And we just lost the camera for some reason. Hey. So we're only seeing Father. Oh, is... no. That is kind of weird. I don't know why it does that. I know it's been doing that for EJ, too. All right. So well, I'm glad everybody can still hear you. We've got a little bit of time. It's like so we've got, we got a podcast. To... So you just have to talk now for the next uh, 20 minutes. Uh... Well, I do have a tangent. So that's yeah, kind of exciting. Take your tangent. So... I'm going to actually get up and maybe try to okay. fix it. Okay. You talk. And I'm going to talk to you, but I'll be looking at the camera. How about that? You know, it's fun. We just got we just got that much more real. We broke the fourth wall. It's, it's exciting. It is broken. Uh, so yesterday we had the funeral for Mary Kitchens. And, um, you know, so it's Monday of the fourth week of Advent. And we're in this weird space in the church where it's like Christmas is starting to break into the church. Like Michael just said, we've got all these poinsettias around the altar and we have the nativity scene up, but the the Christmas trees aren't up yet and the Christ child's not in the manger yet. And so it's like you have this like in-breaking of Christmas joy that's starting um, but we're still in Advent and the Advent wreath is still there and we don't have the trees and the Christ child's not in there. So it's like this already, but not yet. And that's what our life is like in so many ways where we get to start to experience some of the joys of heaven, 
And in the midst of her funeral mass yesterday, and I get to say this at a lot of funeral masses, in the prayer of final commendation, it says, we give you thanks, Lord, for the gifts which you bestowed upon Mary in this life. They are signs to us of your goodness and of our fellowship with the saints in Christ. In this life, we get to participate in some of the good things of heaven. Communal love, peace, unity. Like, they sound like, ah, it's all nice and fluffy. Like, no, I mean, for us to, like, be friends and to sit down and talk about the catechism and have a beer and things like that, that's a foretaste of heaven, you mm-hmm. know? It's like the, the glories of that. Um, and we get to experience a lot of those. Now, infinitely, are we... F- infinitely large because yeah. you are that level of friendship with Everybody. I know because there is no sin in heaven. There's no place for division in heaven. So like we get to begin to experience those, but we don't have the fullness yet. The tree's not up yet. The Christ child's not in the manger yet. It's like we're, we're almost there. We're not there yet. We experience the sadness of death and separation as we said goodbye to Mary yesterday. Um, in the midst of preaching the homily, there was a stupid little bug and I sucked it down my throat and coughed a lot during the homily. So yeah, we're still in the incarnate, you know, like in this fallen world, there's still some stupid bugs, right? They play their part. It's fine. But it's like, it's not all flowers. Some of it is bugs. Like we're not to the point where sucking them down your throat is done. But nevertheless, it's like we do get to experience these things and they're on offer. And in the midst of the liturgy, like we already have a foretaste of what is to come. And I mean, it's, it's real. And that, that's the beautiful aspect of it and why you want to be a part of the sacraments. You know, like don't let a, a Sunday go by that you don't get there. And that's why the church gives us the obligation she gives us is because she knows us and we're fallen. And there are some days like today, as you were saying, you're like, ah, got so much going on. I don't want to go to mass, da, 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 da. But it's like, no, just go. And then you're happy you did. Of it's course. like It's like the, the principle um, from St. Francis de Sales. You should pray for a half hour every day except for when you're busy. When you're busy, you should pray for an hour. And I love that because it sounds like that's all wrong. But it's like, no, give the time to our Lord. He'll take care of things. And he'll remind you of why you do what you do. And, you know, the sacramental economy, as we move on to section one, mm-hmm. has to do with the fact that our Lord takes the ordinary and elevates it to make it extraordinary. And then it's the glorious thing in our life. The extraordinary sort of becomes the ordinary. You know, it's like he he is there in the tabernacle all the time. And it's only because we get old and sinful and tired that we don't recognize how mind-blowingly incredible that is that we can go over there and just spend time with our Lord. Yeah, and got the cameras working, which is fantastic. Good job. Um, <laughs> but the I like what you just said about taking the ordinary to the extraordinary mm-hmm. because what do we use for the liturgies? All we use ordinary stuff. Water. Water. We use bread, wine, oil. oil. I mean. Salt. Yeah. It's nothing extravagant. No. So these are ordinary things. Mm-hmm. Available everywhere. Available everywhere at all times mm-hmm. throughout the history of the world. Yep. Because that's why they were so important because everyone had access to them. Exactly. But then we use these ordinary things to bring about salvation, right? These become efficacious, which I really enjoy talking about. So I'm going to go uh, down efficacious here please, in a second. Please, But then we do it. We could do it every single day. And now I'm thinking I don't want to go to mass today. Like, what am yeah. I thinking? It's so this crazy. This is such an extraordinary gift that I could receive every day. And yeah. thus, all of a sudden, it becomes old hat. Yeah. And it doesn't have the same emphasis, right? Yeah. We've been talking about Jerry and Lisa, right? Yeah. They've received communion for three, four, four times. times. I gave them their fourth communion right? this morning. <laughs> it is still very much extraordinary yeah. for them. Yeah. Right? And I hate to say it, at some point, mm-hmm. 
it will become ordinary, right? Yeah. And that challenge, and this is what I tell all my people in RCIA, at, it might be extraordinary now because it's new and it's fresh. And that's a gift from God. How I wish I could go back and have that extraordinary time again. And I probably could sure. with you know certain prayer and fasting and penance and focus. But in all reality, I mean, this is my ordinary way of life. And But how can I embrace the extraordinary even when it is ordinary? And I feel like the efficaciousness of the liturgy and the sacraments is such an important part of that, right? Yeah. So efficacious, what that means is that a sign is actually performing what it signifies, okay? A stop sign is not efficacious. No. A stop sign tells you to stop. It does not force you to stop. You can choose to blow past that stop sign if you want. That and some people do. It, some people do. Yeah. You may get a ticket afterwards reminding you that that's not a good idea. Mm -hmm. But no one's forcing you. Even the ticket after the fact is not causing you or forcing you to stop. No. Sacraments being efficacious. When we say baptism washes away original sin, it actually washes away original sin. This thing that it's representing actually happens. Yeah. When we say the Eucharist becomes the bread and <laughs> the body and blood of Christ, this is not just do this in remembrance of me. This nope. is not just a fun little act, a fun little reminder. The bread actually becomes the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. The wine becomes the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. It actually changes. And that's why it's so extraordinary. Of course. And I can tell you, as a priest now ordained for about 12 and a half years, if that bread and that wine didn't actually become the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ, I would have left a long time ago. Um, it is not an easy life. It is tough. And the fact that it really is him is why I am here. And so it's like you just, you know, and yeah, and just like you were saying, like it's it's almost scandalous that we can – you know, start to take it for granted. And I wish I could tell you, it's like, but once you're ordained a priest, that never happens. That is not the case. It's just like an... We were just talking about Christmas Eve masses and yeah. some coffee and beer. I know, exactly. That last one. Exactly. And, now, and, you know, and I love it and I'm grateful, but I'm also, you know, a fallen human being who gets tired, who gets cranky and all these sort of things. But it's just like in a marriage. You have to do the the maintenance, for lack of a better phrase, to keep up the work of building up the relationship, to recognize every day that, wow, I have laid down my life for this woman or I have laid down my life for this man, you know, to the who you're married to. And something brought us together in the beginning to imitate the love of Christ in his church. And if you just start taking that for granted, your love starts to grow cold. Well, the same is true with the Blessed Sacrament. And that's the, I mean, it's the amazing thing in the humility of God that he presents himself to us in such a way that our love for him can start to grow cold, even though his love for us never grows cold. And so, you know, I've now celebrated, I didn't record like the last four or five, but I think I'm at 6,345 masses now. Um, and I'll be honest with you, every one of those didn't like knock my socks off. But I'd say for the last 2,000, I've been very, like, I don't know, just different things that happen sometimes where it's like, I get to do this, and I want to do this. And, and it's amazing. It's like when you hand yourself over to that, and you're striving to be present. Now, you're not doing it all yourself. It's efficacious. The sacrament changes you, but he, he doesn't force himself on you. So it's like you open yourself up like, Lord, you know I'm tired. You know I'm cranky, but I want to do this for you. And he's going to work with that. And it's amazing what happens. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's, it's the great mystery of the fact that, yeah, he, he allows for himself to come into the ordinary 
you know, just day-to-day everything. I mean, I got to take the Blessed Sacrament yesterday to three different people in a nursing home who are not doing so hot, you know? And to think about, you know, just, yeah, the humility and beauty of our Lord, you know, allowing himself to be in a little picks, you know, a little brass thing I put in my breast pocket to get in my Mazda and drive up Jake Alexander and go see these people. You know, it's like when you think about just like the day-to-day stuff, like this is the same car that I can get into to run to the liquor store, you know, it's like, but I'm using it today to go here. Like our Lord allows for to that. transport our Lord, our Lord. across town. It's incredible when you think about it. And I, and the reason why I even use that, because at first I was going to say going to the grocery store. It's like, no, that's not even where I always go. You know, it's like, there are diff- and not that there's anything wrong with going to the liquor store. And I love that. It's a great catechetical moment because I have wonderful conversations there when I go in with my, co- with my clerks. Of on. course. But that's another story. But, you know, it's like, it's the same car. It's the same shirt. It's the same stuff. And yet, like, our Lord is making himself present to them. Some people, as they're about to die, and it's like, I get to use all of this stuff to make him present to them so that they receive him as they're about to, you know, make that same transition that all of us will in death. And yet I get to be there to bring our Lord into it so that they are close to him and receiving him viaticum, their, you know, food for the journey, their last communion, um, as they prepare to go home and be with him. And he uses fallen instruments. He uses ordinary stuff like bread and wine to make himself present. And it's incredible. And that affects a change. And it's always amazing how well the catechism, what we're talking about, aligns with the season. Yeah. Because that's literally what Christmas is. Yeah, absolutely. Christ Christ mass. Becoming (laughs) man, being born in a stable, being born in the manger. No one knowing about this other than the shepherds who were told by an angel, right? The wise men come much later, Yeah. right? Some people argue even three to four years after the fact. Um, but I mean, no one knew that Christ was born and became man. And it's just so ordinary. Yeah. And right from the beginning, he's pointing towards the fact that he will give us, give us himself in the Eucharist as he's laid in a feeding trough. Like we hear manger and think like crib. He immediately is showing like, I will be your food. Like, right out of the gate. Like, you're not going to have your... Like, when you had David, you didn't take him home and lay him in a doggy dish, you know? But, like, that's the equivalent of what that is. And that's where God chose to have himself laid from the beginning. That's just... It's mind-blowingly humble. And he continues to, like, put himself into my hands or into the hands of an extraordinary minister as they go to take communion to someone who's sick. I mean, it's just... Amazing. And then that affects a change. Does that mean they're always going to be physically healed? No, but sometimes they are, and that's awesome. But I mean, this, the, the changes I've gotten to see come over people sometimes over the years, you know, be it confession, be it anointing of the sick, be it viaticum, you know, their last communion. It's a glorious thing. And so to be able to get to participate in that is amazing. And like I said, just to think about the fact that God loves us so much to want to be in the midst of all of that with us. I mean, why would you want anything else? You know, it's just like, it's so good. Yeah. And this is, this is all what, I mean, this is all what this liturgy is going to be about, right? Yeah. This whole oh, yeah, yeah. is diving into the more specifics of this. Yeah. Um, I feel like in some ways we're like, 
pulling back the curtain a little too much. But I know. It's just so exciting. I know. But you know what? I think, I hope everybody can forgive us for this. You know, we we're, may be it's like, yeah, we're, we're going to be repetitive. But, but, you know, I mean, that's what we're here for. I mean, like the Sacred Art Parish wouldn't be here if the sacramental economy wasn't a thing. Yes. You know, it's like we're here because there's a tabernacle over there. It all sort of boils down to that. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not a social club. I mean, you know, there are organizations that probably can serve the needs of the poor better than Sister Mary Roberts Ministries. I love them. That's not a knock on them. You know, or better social clubs than the Knights and the Catholic Daughters. You know, like there there are better things than that. Like we're here because Jesus Christ is present in the South. There's arguably even better schools. Those yeah, are hard absolutely. School. Oh, that's pretty tough. Like I have a hard time with that. And there goes the camera again. Says a problem. Well, don't don't badmouth the school. Like that's, that's <laughs> yeah. sitting at PowerPod Studios. The camera knows. <laughs> it just knows. No, you weren't badmouth. But you know, yeah, you badmouth the Knights of Columbus. I know. Well, it's, no, no, I know. <laughs> but you know, what I'm saying? it's just one of those things where, yeah, all of these things, it's all here because of the sacramental economy. Um, that Jesus Christ is really and truly present and it's worth going all in on. So it's really good. Um, I'm going to try to go to the, I don't know, next topic. Keep going, I'm going to keep trying. And that, that figures that normally we've been so good at running into tangents and now it's like, I need to keep talking. I'm like, Oh, I can't think of anything to say. Um, Let it be known that the man that, who is rather talkative. Yeah, I know. All right. <laughs> We're fixed. Yeah. Cool. There's going to be a setting on the camera or something that got changed, and I got to yeah. just dig into it. Because it seems to be shutting off at like regular intervals. We'll figure I mean, it out. I mean, yeah, that was almost 15 minutes on the nose yeah. both times. We'll figure it so. out. Okay, cool. <laughs> well, with that being said, the last little bit that I think is important here. Please. Is that the economy in the sacraments is not something new. No. Right? The Old Testament has these amazing prefigurements that reveal these sacraments to come, right? Half of my time in my RCIA class is spent on this very fact. The sacraments are the ordinary means to receive extraordinary grace. grace. They're efficacious. But this isn't something that Jesus Christ just made up or the church just made up. There was prefigurements and revelation of this way back in the Old Testament leading up to this. Because... The Holy Spirit was always present. Mm -hmm. The Holy Spirit is ultimately the mover. It is efficacious because the Holy Spirit comes upon these sacraments and then comes upon us. Yeah. So the Holy Spirit, being the third person of the Trinity, was always present. So some of these prefigurements, right? Some of the big ones and easy ones to see, right? The Red Sea, right? The Israelites going from slavery in Egypt crossing through the Red Sea to freedom away from sin and death that existed there in Egypt. This miraculous, extraordinary circumstance that ultimately still didn't even do as much as a typical Saturday baptism does. Yeah. Oh, not yeah. even not even close. I mean, we're they, they split the Red Sea in two and yep. walked across on dry land. And that is nowhere near the miraculousness of a just typical ordinary baptism that you do almost every Saturday. Absolutely. And the thing to remember too, is I know sometimes like, Oh, if only I saw that, then I would totally be on board and never doubt within two months, they were worshiping the stupid golden calf. I mean, it's like, okay, just because they see more of the outward sign. And I would say, you know, the red sea on a, you know, objective stand outside the occasion level 
probably looks more impressive than the baptisms that I do on Saturday morning. You know, I think you could say that. Yeah, yeah. Objectively speaking. Objectively speaking. You showed a picture of both. Yeah. People go, wow, Red yeah, Sea, Red amazing. Sea. That little baby's getting some water on their head. Not as incredible. But, but the, effic- you know, the, the efficacy of Saturday morning baptism is so much greater than the other one. And just because after baptism you're still tempted towards sin, it's like, okay, look at the prefigurement. So were they, you know, after the fact. They saw all this just amazing stuff, and they immediately fall, you know? And like, okay, yeah, we do too. And that's why we keep plugging in. And our Lord, like, it's not just a one-and-done deal. It's like, oh, yeah, I did that when I was little, or I I declared that once, and now I'm finished. No, you keep living your life. You're going to keep being tempted. That golden calf is always on the horizon, and you could potentially fall for it, you know, just like they did. Don't do it. You know, stay close to our Lord. That's why we have confession. That's why we, he continues to walk with us. Um, yeah, I think we should go to the next prefigurement, though, too. Yeah, and I, I was totally going to go to the next prefigurement of manna, Yeah, right? Is that where you were going? Oh, yeah, of course. Of course. Of course. But I just wanted to, like, hit it back to so you. So this manna, right? So they're, now these Israelites are in the desert. Yep. Because they didn't trust the Lord and worship the golden calf, they have to wander around for 40 years in the desert. And it could have been a super quick trip. Uh, yeah. I mean, I imagine that would probably be a month yeah, journey. About a month. Um, and now they're wandering around for 40 years. Mm-hmm. Obviously, being in the desert, there's not a lot of <laughs> not a lot of food. But nope. even then, God says, hey, I'm going to help you out here. Yeah. Right? Because a lot of people were saying, we're just going to go back to Egypt. Yep. That was better than this situation. Leeks and cucumbers and melons. So yeah. what is what does he give them? He gives them... The hoarfrost dries on the ground and mm-hmm. becomes these little white wafers of bread. But here's the crazy part. You had to not have enough trust that it was going to come back the next day because you couldn't collect more than one day's worth or go rotten. Now, yep. on the Sabbath, you could collect yep. the day before the Sabbath, you could collect two. All right. To, so you didn't have to do work on the Sabbath. And they even complained about that so mm-hmm. much so that Christ then gave them quails that just magically appeared on the ground. Yeah. Once, I think it was like once a week, if I remember correctly. And it's like, hello. Yeah. This is amazing. And even Jesus talks about it. Mm-hmm. He says, Your forefathers had manna. All of you people sitting here, you're like, we want the manna back yeah. because that was the highlight of our ancestry, right? That was when God was doing the most in our lives. Even though they complained about that Even too. though they complained <laughs> about it. Back with the manna. But then what does Jesus say? But I got something so much better. Mm-hmm. My own body and blood. And you guys have no idea what I'm talking about. And even <laughs> still today. Yeah. Right? Who wouldn't say, yeah, that whole manna thing sounds pretty impressive, right? We could have bread just, just develops on the ground. Yeah. That would feed us for a while and we'd be very satisfied. Well, again, we get the Eucharist, which is infinitely infinite better, absolutely more important and better than the manna. Yeah, it's incredible, and it's our Lord, and we still take it for granted, just like they did out in the desert. Mm-hmm. Um, but he can, conti- yeah, and that's the amazing thing. You think about that, like every single day. I mean, how many masses are celebrated today? Mm-hmm. How many people are receiving our Lord in the Eucharist today? And that's the thing too. It's like, I know, I mean, I get kind of down sometimes about this or that thing going on in the church and it's like, oh, like what's going to happen? What's going to happen with this, that, and the other? But our Lord knows how to make himself present in the Eucharist. He knows how to keep giving us himself, even with fallen ministers, even with difficulties in the world. Um, He knows how to take the ordinary, to raise it to the level of the extraordinary and to continue to provide for us. And so even if it feels like this is just enough for today, he's going to provide tomorrow too. So it's like you just have to trust that he's going to provide for our needs. And that's why Mass every Sunday is so important. Absolutely. Right? <laughs> because even with this amazing 
the the miracle of the Eucharist, we aren't disposed to receive it perfectly. Yeah. Right. One drop of the precious blood is enough to redeem the entire world. Yeah. To heal everyone of their brokenness. But we, as broken human beings, can't receive enough of it to make that one drop as efficacious as it, as God is allowing it to be. And that's why receiving it frequently, yeah. and then we're going to be receiving that much grace every single time, and hopefully our hearts yeah. will be open enough to receive the grace we need at least on a weekly basis. Absolutely. And the thing I would say, too, is not to get discouraged if you feel like you're making no progress. And, you know, I keep receiving our Lord in the Eucharist, but nothing seems to be happening. You know, sometimes it's really hard to see changes in the short term. But if you look back on your life and like, okay, yeah, I don't feel like much has happened in the last month, but how are you doing compared to five months ago? How are you doing compared to a year ago? How about five years ago? Um, and that's why I honestly recommend frequent confession too, is because it's like, you just, you know, keep climbing the mountain little by little, you know, it's like we're taking baby steps here and that's okay. Cause we're running a marathon, not a sprint. Sometimes our Lord decides to like make something happen really quick. And some things will change in a big way, especially if you're responding. But most of the time, like our, our growing closer to him. Yeah. It's little by little step by step, but he makes it keep happening, you know, and it, it's a it's a glorious thing to see that happening gradually over time. And it's just sort of like, and I forget exactly where it says this, it's from the Second Vatican Council, I believe in Sacrosanctum Concilium, but it's like, you know, the Eucharist, it's the source and the summit. It's like, it, it's what keeps us going, but it's also like the summit, like we're climbing a mountain, like you're trying to get to the very top. And it's an interesting thing because it's like, he's giving you himself in the Eucharist to help you to climb that mountain, but what's the ultimate pinnacle? perfect union with him who's already giving you himself. So it's like you're surrounded by him and you're going to keep striving to grow. Don't get discouraged. Just keep showing up. Keep being there, you know, and don't take this for granted. And when you start to feel yourself taking it for granted, say, Lord, this is where I am. This is my heart. I'm getting bored. I'm getting tired. I'm getting cranky. Please be with me because I love you. And that's the only reason I'm here. I think we just figured out your homily for Christmas. (laughs) That's pretty good. I mean, isn't this what we always talk about at Christmas, right? Yeah. The the Christmas and Easter Catholics come out and like, hello, yeah. we're receiving this one time or two times a year is not enough. It's not. And <laughs> to this figure, is the yeah. source. If you're only tapping into the source one time, you're never going to get enough to reach the summit. It's just not enough. And it's too good of a gift. And, and the challenge here, and I'd say pray for me, please. Honest appeal to the whole parish and beyond, whoever's listening. Pray for me and all priests that we say that in the right way that inspires and doesn't come across to people like you're sending like the church lady, you know, like mm-hmm. where it's like, you need to come in. It's just like, okay, they get it. They haven't been these sort of things. Some of them don't get it. But you know, to be able to say it in a way that's inspiring and is going to get them back through the doors Mm -hmm. because, you know, we have a treasure and we want to share it. And you and I are both excited to talk about this. Why? Because it's worth devoting your whole life to, you know, it's so good and it keeps lasting and it's just amazing. So good stuff. Yes, indeed. Wonderful. Well, I know you got to go do the Angelus. I do. Actually, we're like right at an hour. That is awesome. I think we started at And we got got really close to the end of what we said we were going to do. We did. 
We not did. bad. I mean, so, we were we were very close. I'd say we were three paragraphs, four yeah, paragraphs off. Not bad. But we skipped kind of three or four paragraph chunks this entire time. And that's okay. And we'll get to more talk of the Holy Spirit next time. And the camera died again. I don't know what's going on with this camera. I'm getting annoyed. Well, I'll tell you what. But it's the, on you. So lead us in prayer. This is a good time to lead in prayer. And just we'll take this opportunity. On behalf of Michael Becker, who you can't see, um, <laughs> I just want to wish you all. But you can hear him. <laughs> you can hear him. It's wonderful. It's like our Lord. You can't always see him, but you can hear him. You yes, know? Um want to wish you all a wonderful conclusion to Advent. Please pray for us, um, for all this here at Sacred Heart, um, for everybody who comes through these doors, that we all grow closer to the most sacred heart of Jesus through the intercession in the hands of our Blessed Mother and the intercession of St. Joseph. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. And Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Thanks be to God. You know, now that we've talked about amen, I'm very conscious of all the times we <laughs> say amen. Yeah, we do say it a lot. Say, it's say awesome. It with that emphasis. Nice. Right. Probably Merry Christmas, ends. everyone. See ya.